Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. On tonight's show, we look at what stocks Julia Lee anchors her portfolio with and what she likes right now. And then Tom Waterhouse gives us his tips for tomorrow's Melbourne Cup. Tom has a good record with the Cup on this show, so let's, let's just hope his analysis is still on the money. Last week, Michael McCarthy tipped Pilbara Minerals, which has now surged 20% since last Monday. Julia tipped Domino's last week, and it has put on about 2%. And the week before, Rudy uh, Philippek Van Dyke gave us Nearmat, which put on 17% in the week. These are tricky times, with Westpac announcing today a capital raising and a cut in its dividend. But offsetting this, the more positive news on the trade deal is actually helping stocks. Meanwhile, Charlie Aiken's favourite, Microsoft, continues to trend higher. This huge name in the tech space has put on 44% this year to date. Let's just see what Charlie likes tonight. But now let's just catch up with Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Hi right, Julia, I said in my intro that I wanted to know what are your anchor stocks in your portfolio. Do you have anchor stocks? Yes, you I do. do. I do. I think um, when you look at the benefits of diversification, which is one of the most powerful concepts in terms of the market, you really get the benefits when you hold stocks that don't move together. Mm. But also you can think about diversifying not only across different sectors, but across the size of stocks. So from large caps all the way down to small caps yeah. and across time as well. So mm. long term holdings, medium term and short term holdings as mm, well. Very scientific. <laughs> very good. So I like to think of the market across those type of things. Mm. I guess in terms of the core at the moment, um, CSL definitely because of um, its blood products and mm. the, the cost, it's been ahead of the curve and it's still riding that yep. success at the moment. Great um, company. A great company. I don't think it's uh, always going to be the case. It's just been ahead of all its competitors and opening up mm. blood collection. Have you dollar cost average, every time it's been gone down on a dip, you've bought it, so therefore your, your collective price for CSLs Nice and low. I like to buy as it's moving higher and I gain confidence. Yeah. So you um, need the, the market to tell you it's on momentum up. Oh, well, if a stock dips quite significantly, that usually tells me, uh, and it usually happens when there's an earnings downgrade or earnings are looking softer or the outlook isn't looking so crash hot. Mm. So in those type of scenarios where the fundamentals are still looking softer and the price also um, reacts to that, then I'm a bit cautious as well because I do like to invest in companies that are in an upgrade cycle or uh, seeing some sort of improvement. So CSL is a, a cornerstone yeah. one. I guess looking at the falling interest rate environment, you'd have to look at some of the dividend stocks. Um, I, I have Telstra as well as uh, Sydney airports in the portfolio mm. as well. And then I guess if you continue along that large cap path, I don't really like the big four banks because of their earnings profile and I like things to be improving, but I do like Macquarie in that space if I had to gain exposure mm. to the But would you buy Macquarie now? Because it's really high. For me, Macquarie's great. I think I averaged in about $36. I've been around for a long time. But that's a classic one in my portfolio. I can't get rid of it. But one day I might have to if I think the market's going to so, kill it. Does it you know? Let me ask you a question. I mean, would you buy CBA at these levels? No. No, uh, I would well, a bit, bit lower. Once again, my entry yeah. price on CBA was so low because I, I bought it after GFC. 
I, but if it went a bit lower, I, could, I probably couldn't buy it. Sure. For uh, the dividend only. I guess if we're looking at the financials, Macquarie would be my pick. Only yeah. because as interest rates are falling, the banks find it difficult to grow profitability, mm. as we have seen. And then you start to see that flow-on effect to dividends as well. So look, okay. a falling interest rate environment means that people are repaying mortgages more quickly. Mm. And unfortunately, that's a pretty yeah. uh, poor profit. Yeah, I actually noticed that Westpac was saying they've extinguished more loans than they've actually created. Did you see that? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, and look, we're, we're seeing that all around the globe where we are seeing uh, share price weakness in terms of the banks because of that falling interest rate environment. Mm. Once we saw the end to those interest rate falls, that mm. would be the time to start accumulating banks again. Mm. But unfortunately, this is quite a weak part of the cycle. For is banks. there a minor in your anchor stocks like Rio or BHP? Uh, the miners, I'm liking gold at the moment, but I'm in and out you at always the moment. Like gold. <laughs> I don't always <laughs> like gold, but at the moment uh, I do like gold because we've been in this type of environment before where interest rates are falling and there's been talk of quantitative easing. Yep. Um, and if you look at gold, there's no cost to carry gold at the moment in a lot of currencies. Okay, so there, that sort of covers the anchor stocks. So what do you like right now? Or what, or, or what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I, I always remember this year, I always remember you for LaVissa. That was a company I didn't really know. It was a pretty low price, it's had a great year. Uh, is that a, co a company you still like? Yes, I still like LaVissa. Look, the last update, um, and with retail stocks, I like that combination of the store rollout together with a strong same store sales mm. growth. That's mm. a magic combination for me. And LaVissa has that, but its last update, its same st store sales, um, number was positive but it was weaker than the three to five percent targets that it's aiming for yeah. having said that the rollout of stores is very strong and don't forget that we're coming up to an extremely strong part of the year for yeah. Louisa, which is christmas time you know the teenagers the millennials like to buy uh, Christmas presents from yeah. LaVisa. So yeah. this Christmas period should be a good one. Yeah. Um, so we should see that sales trend once again improving. Staying in that retail space, I also like JB Hi-Fi. I continue so to like I. JB Hi-Fi. Um, Baby Bunting is still looking great, great as well. Mm. So look, there's there's a few retailers that I like, especially coming up to that all crucial Christmas season. Mm. How lucky were we when JB Hi-Fi went to $22, $23? What were those idiots thinking? <laughs> it was great for us. Its AGM update was good as well. And I guess that's the thing to keep an eye out on is some of those updates coming yeah. through. And JB Hi-Fi once again gave a good update. Okay. And you still like baby bunting? Still like baby bunting. I mean, when you virtually have no competition. It's, it space. hasn't changed. Like, like, a couple of years ago, it was killing them. All of a sudden, they had rivals and probably some other problems. Share price went down. It's been recovering. I know you're the first person to say to me, well, they don't really have any rivals anymore. And that hasn't changed. Yeah, no, it hasn't. I guess Amazon could be thought of as yeah. a rival, but um, in terms of a specialist niche market, it's really grabbed that um, market by the horns. And not only that, it's also increasing the number of stores as well. When mm. I get the baby bunting catalogs, I also get emails around, celebrate the opening of this store. Mm. And that's also a positive sign. So it's got that store rollout going mm. with the same store sales. And it's got this beauty of increasing margins as well. Its gross margins are improving because it's bringing its house brands yeah. into the mix as well. Okay. Uh, I know people would like me to ask you about the wax stocks. Um, you've been an Afterpay fan. Are you mm. still an Afterpay fan? 
Look, um, I'm probably more cautious on Afterpay at the moment, mm. and I liken it to the telecom space. Telstra was a dominator in that space. It didn't have any competition. And once you start to get competition coming into the space, mm. then it makes it for a more difficult business mm. proposition. And that's what's happened in this space. Afterpay was a big mover and mm. a first mover in this space. It had its platform, but now you're seeing a lot of competition coming I'm into that space. I'm seeing Zip in a lot of stores as well nowadays. Seeing well. Zip, and not only domestic competitors, but international competitors mm. as well. So look, I'm, I'm a bit more cautious on Afterpay mm. given that it's not as clear who's going to be the one dominating uh, this area and the actual fact is we're probably going to see a number of parties dominating um, this area. What's your view on WiseTech? It's been copying a lot in the press, it was once regarded as a great company, what's your view? You know I'm not a brave investor. No. <laughs> I, I'm a chicken. I'd stay on the sidelines. Mm. I mean, we have been through a lot of short reports before in the past and whether they have um, eventually turned out to be right or wrong, for a number of months you do see negative sentiment hitting the stock mm. and I'd wait for that to play out. Um, I mean, having a look at some of the interviews that have come out of the company as well um, regarding that short selling mm. effect, it hasn't given me a huge mm. amount of confidence. And what about Altium? Altium, I still like the story of Altium. It's probably uh, my favourite one in this mm. space. Um, Altium as well as Zero are looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah. Um, and really... Well, um, Zero does make profit, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I think the data of Zero is extremely valuable as well. Yeah. Um, and look, I think a lot more companies are going to be data-driven mm. um, over the next decade, and that's going to be an exciting area to And last week you mentioned Domino's. I'm going to be interviewing Don May this week. Yeah. Do you still like Domino's? I love, yeah, I love Domino's <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I like, like you eat Domino's. Do you eat Domino's? Uh, uh, on, only when it's been ordered for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, yeah. But, but uh, so you like the company? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I like a good turnaround story. And look, Europe is turning around at the moment, which yeah. is great. We've just been through the World Cup. I don't know how many times you ate pizza, but I ate uh, pizza a lot. And the Japanese, they're in Japan as well. I'm sure they're eating... The Japanese story is really strong at the moment, and even Australia is improving. So look, I think Domino's still has um, upside here, and I like it. I think it's mm. going to be one of the key turnaround stories in uh, 2020. I know, I, I know I've been backing... Um, Japanese horses, so I've got oh. the, the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate because I, I went to a lunch with Gay Waterhouse and she said why she liked Japanese horses, so I took the tip from her. So why do, why why Japanese horses? She she says that they like the uh, UK horses are trained in a colder environment and they give their ah. time horses time to, to grow. She said, but in, in the hot environments of Australia, we build strong sprinters, so that's why we're better at sprinting oh. than staying. So I just took the tip, and so far so good. But <laughs> but the, the, the point I, I guess I'm saying is that. I often sing the song, I'm turning Japanese, but it sounds like the Japanese are turning Westernese, aren't they? They're, they're liking rugby, they're eating pizza. It could be good for a company like Domino's. I think so. Um, the Japanese story has been a, a strong one. Um, and yeah, I think J Japan will go from strength to strength with Domino's. Let's get into the building space. Len Lease, do you like that? Oh, I love Lend-Lease. Um, Why do you like Lend-Lease? I think the development book is outstanding. Mm. You have to remember that their book at the moment is about 35 billion and look, um, just waiting is about $100 billion right. worth of development. So, look, I think strategy is going extremely well. Look how well Barangaroo is selling at the yeah. moment. Um, and I think that's going to continue on. Yeah. So that's strong. The the bonus I'd like to see with Lendlease is the sale of that engineering division. Yeah, well, you, you said you liked Lendlease early in the year, so you got that right. But you always said the engineering part was the, the worry area and you liked them to sell it. Are they trying to sell it? 
They are trying to sell it. Yeah. It must be difficult to yeah. sell. But regardless, um, I guess what's happened in the last period is there's been no big blow-ups in the engineering space. So okay. we haven't seen any huge write-downs coming through. Yeah. Um, and that's been a positive for the overall business. But yeah. really, it's the development part of the business, yeah. which is really quite impressive for Lendlease. And Julie, the whole world and governments in the world are talking about infrastructure. And Lendlease is well-positioned for that kind of thing as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, infrastructure. And look, the the type of properties they're building at the moment, I think, uh, in high demand. Um, one thing to watch is the apartment space, given some of the scandals here mm. in Australia. But yeah. on the premium side, they seem to be selling quite well. Okay. And finally, uh, while well, sort of in that building space, James Hardy, you've talked about that in the past. What do you think? I like James Hardy. Um, I don't know about you, but on my street, every second house is being renovated at the moment. Yeah. Um, and you think in rock, are you? <laughs> <laughs> all, all houses have rock, don't they? Absolutely. But look, this is not just an Australian story. It's primarily a US story. And look, the numbers coming out of the US haven't been too bad at mm. the moment. Not only that, one of the major input prices uh, for James Hardy is pulp. And yeah. pulp prices have been falling. So look, I think James Hardy is a winning combination nation yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I keep a close eye that the US figures coming out of the housing space um, yeah. continue to be positive. Yeah, and building approvals here jumped about 7% mm. last time. And of course, you, if, you, if the Fin review is right, it's headline on Saturday was house prices leading to a, a building surge, which of course would be good for James Hardy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I like James Hardy mostly because of the US, US story rather yeah. than the Australia, but over here, I'm pretty amazed at how quickly properties bounce back here. Yeah. We love property. No, we do. We're Julia sure. Lee, Birmingham Invest. With the day before the Melbourne Cup, one of the busiest for Tom Waterhouse. We caught up with Tom on the phone because he's on the fly as he prepares, as I say, for the biggest day of the year, the Melbourne Cup. Okay, so what horses have attracted the money um, at the call of the card today? Well, look, I've backed a few. I bet all around. I bet right around the favourites. I didn't want to be on uh, Murder Glace, the, the Japanese horse. Uh, I didn't want to be on Constantinople uh, or Surprise Baby. Uh, so I, I backed a, a few horse at odds. Uh, back this, the chosen one, at 100 to 1, I backed it to win 1.2 million. Yeah. And um, the horse called Latrobe, um, I love that Lloyd Williams is just an absolute genius at winning this um, this Melbourne Cup. And uh, I, I wanted to back it to win a million, but I couldn't get the $26. So I backed it to win a few hundred thousand at $21. And the horse that they all wanted to come for um, was Finch. It was the one in the betting that basically they jumped out of trees to be on. And uh, and I have to say the other horses in the market were a bit soft and didn't re didn't attract uh, the money that I thought they would here for the card. Now, Tom, um, we've seen horses, and you should explain this to us, horses that are three-year-olds in the UK, but they would be older if they were here. They've won the last two Melbourne Cups. Uh, I think it was Rekindling and uh, Counter Cross, wasn't it? Um, yeah, cross counter. Cross counter, something like that. Yeah, but there's a horse like that called Il Paradiso. Was there any popularity? Why are those horses getting a, getting some sort of age advantage? And and did Il Paradiso get any support today? 
look, uh, it, it didn't get it, it, it didn't get the support um, only because they didn't bet the odds here. They, they, I think they, the best price they bet was around thirteen dollars or fourteen dollars. I think you'll get better than that tomorrow. Um, but they get the lovely weight advantage, especially as European horses. They're young and improving. Saw with Cross Canal last year. I think it was six kilos less. And it just, I don't know if you remember the run last year, but Cross Canal was got bored coming to the straight, just let down with just uh, amazing turn of foot with the light weight. Uh, and and they can do that. And um, obviously, I, I think it's got a great chance. I, I haven't, um, I, I haven't uh, been. I'm not honest, but uh, I think it, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it wins. Okay, so but lately, lately, Tom, lightweights have been winning the cup. Do uh, are the heavier weight horses at a big disadvantage? No, I don't think so because the weights are so compressed nowadays. Look, Cross Counter won that race in Dubai after Melbourne Cup, but it did, uh, like it did run. Was it a third or fourth in the Ascot Gold Cup behind that Stradivarius or whatever? It's probably the best star in the world. Mm. Look, it, it, it's a definite chance. I would have backed up. I would have backed Cross Counter today if I'd got fifteen or sixteen dollars. Only bet fourteen dollars here, and as you know, it's it's all about um, the odds. So mm. obviously, it's luck when you're betting uh, once a year. But if you're betting every day of the week and, and every race, well, if you're not strict about what odds you take, you're going to go broke pretty quick. So okay. uh, it's, it's all about the odds you take and. and uh, and uh, trying to capitalise when the bookies have made a mistake. And, and they definitely, I don't think they made a mistake with that horse here today. I think it'll be $14, $15 um, for sure across the counter tomorrow. Okay. And what what will start favourite tomorrow? Look, uh, you'd have to go, um, and this is coming from someone I want to bet right around the favourites this year. I think it's a it's a race to find value in. But I think Finch, Finch was backed off the map here at the, um, the call of the card. And uh, I would have thought it's going to start short in the Japanese. Sure. Okay, and what does your dad like? I know you always say your father's a pretty good judge. Uh, he's a, an absolute genius. He's found the winner of the cup um, uh, that, that many times in the last ten years, and and uh, look, he again thinks the wide open, uh, wide open race. Nothing. I think if you were trying to find value, uh, the one at uh, uh, sort of over twenty to one that, that looks to have the best chance of the long shots is probably Latrobe. Okay, and one last thing: how's your tipping business going, mate? Yeah, great. Look, it's all about discipline. And uh, I think what most people don't have never been taught how to win betting. And most people lose betting. And what we've given our members is the discipline to stick to a staking plan, wait to when the bookies make a mistake. They don't make many, but wait till when they make a mistake and then capitalise. And uh, and the results have been, well, they've been amazing for the members, but it requires discipline. It's, it's not an easy... You're not. There's nothing out there that you can make money easily. You have to be disciplined, and you have to um, stick to the staking plan, and and uh, and then we're going to be hard to beat. But no, it's been going really well. Okay, now I, I uh, listened to your mum at a grand final luncheon before the Roosters won the grand final, and she said that your father liked Japanese horses. So I've backed the winner of the Caulfield Cup and the Mooney Valley and the Cox Plate purely because of your mum's advice. So I'm not going off your mum now. Uh, no, look, I, she's 100% right, and, and and Robin and her love these Japanese horses. They got into it very early. The only issue with this Japanese horse is it's been found. It was a slashing win in that Caulfield Cup, and it, look, I think it's short enough. It's a first-time test of the distance. Um, if it wins tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's not getting my money at the $9. Okay, Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Peter. Bye, bye.
basically the economic analysis is very interesting, macroeconomic analysis, and of course Peter's very entertaining. Uh, well, I come every year or every twice a year, and I love it because I get so much information and I run my own super fund, so for me it's really, really good. It's been very, very informative, and uh, I must admit, uh, some of these uh, share fund managers, they're, they're quite funny, and uh, I think they've made it uh, such a pleasure to be here. So, I've loved it, uh, looking forward to doing something with my money and becoming rich. <laughs> got a lot of people like who are very talented people in the industry, so we are getting expert at one place, so that's one of the best things I've found here. And uh, I would like to thank Peter Switzer for organizing this for us. Just having the exposure into the market and looking at um, constructing a portfolio, so I think it will be just a great experience, just you know, meeting a lot of people as well. Oh, I really enjoyed it because I came really make, uh, looking for you know some income stream um, because it's just not worthwhile for me to keep my money in the bank anymore and it's given me some really good ideas, you know, the options that are available there. So yeah, it's been really positive. And it looked really interesting about like, yeah, going into investing and more like building your wealth for the future and not just relying on say like an income and you know, stuff like that. I've always believed in a, a great line <clears throat> that my wife taught me more in uh, but she quoted William Blake once and she said, she said uh, Blake once said, without controversy there's no progress. And that's in many ways the relationship I've got with Paul and the relationship I've got with Moran as well. Um, in relation to Moran I always say, you know, um, um, I, she actually decided to become my life coach even though I didn't even know I needed one. Um, and, uh, but without her looking at me the way a, a Labrador watches a sausage at a barbecue, finding out what I'm doing wrong and actually telling me how I can fix myself up, um, I wouldn't be here today. So that's why I always say behind every successful man's a very surprised woman. It's now time to catch up with Charlie Aitken from Aitken Investment Management on what he likes now. And I want to start with this question, Charlie. Westpac's had a bit of a shocker, uh, needs to raise capital, it's cut its dividend. Are the banks becoming a buying opportunity or is it still beware on the banks? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I was just look, looking back at the banks over the last five years, just a little while ago, and really it just comes back to that old thing I've said a hundred times, Pete, Australia for income, international for growth. Yeah. Do not expect capital growth from Australian bank shares. Yeah. The reason you own Australian bank shares are the dividends and the franking credits. Yeah. Think about them as like a regulated utility. The Westpac result was pretty ordinary though, to be honest. Mm. That was, there's some very ordinary signs in that. But yeah, the banks have been kicked from pillar yeah, to post, haven't they? They have a little bit of self-inflicted wounds there as well in terms yeah. of costs sneaking up, net interest margins coming down. Yeah. It's not all regulatory penalties, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, if you strip that out, Cash EPS was down 4%. Mm. So the bank actually went backwards in its mm. profit. The dividend was cut 15%. So, mm. look, I think the banks are okay for income in your portfolio. 
But unless they can re recover to getting earnings growth, revenue growth, profit growth and dividend growth, mm. I do not believe you'll see capital growth, so capital we, gains from the stocks. All right, so do, do banks need stronger economic growth and rising interest rates rather than what we've got now? They need stronger demand for credit. Yeah. One of the most, demand, most amazing part of the Westpac result is that more mortgages were extinguished than new loans they wrote. That's now, I have not seen that. No. And that, that is quite a new development. It mm. means that... You know, Australians are being prudent. There's many Australians who are paying off their mortgage with low interest rates rather than running out and borrow, borrowing a huge amount of money. And Charlie, prudent, yes. You've shocked me here. Yeah, I know. Because that number could be a prelude to that household debt to GDP number coming down. Because so, all the people running around are saying, oh, household debt's terrible, but it may well be shrinking before our very eyes. Yeah, but we it, might not see it for a few it, more months. But that, it, it's the other point is, are we at the reversal rate in interest rates where super low interest rates actually have the reverse effect you think? Mm. That people, instead of borrowing money at super low interest rates, actually pay off their debt. It's a paradox which, which, of thrift. Which, which your parents' generation would have thought would be a great decision. Yeah. And interestingly today, again, the, the retail sales number showed the first quarterly decline in absolute retail sales in since volume. 1991, in which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, and 1991 was a recession, as we know, I won't use that word, but this is really I interesting. I hope Josh is watching interest, interest rates aren't working. Hmm. They are driving people to pay down debt and not necessarily spend. And it's very, very clear to me, Peter, as I said, when you always ask me, how would you get more bullish on Australian equities? Hmm. Well, we need fiscal help. Yep. We need the government to cut interest rates or accelerate, yeah. cut, 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 <laughs> uh, to cut, uh, cut tax rates, I got that wrong. Yeah. And also to maybe appreciate, uh, uh, accelerate and appreciate uh, depreciation, things like get, get things moving yeah. because interest rates aren't working. Good point. All right. Now, that's that's our philosophical. No, it's a fact. You can yeah. see in the Westpac so result. So generalising on, on banks. Yeah. And so you made the point. Look, I think banks are okay. Yeah. There, were some, there were some worrying trends in that. Yeah. But the other point is that I will worry about banks if I start seeing non-performing loans pick up. And that would have to be with unemployment picking up. Now, yeah. there's actually no sign of that. And that's why we need growth that, in the economy. There's no sign of that yet, yeah. but unemployment can sneak up on you and we need more projects, more job creation to make sure it doesn't sneak okay. up on you. Okay, let's talk about stocks you like. Now, you, you've jumped on board Microsoft, as I said in the intro, up about 44% this year. You've liked uh, LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, oh, Hennessy. Okay, and that's done well as well. Um, Boeing wasn't one of your great, we don't blame you for Boeing. Um, uh, and, but what else do you like in the international space? And is there a local stock that you're starting to, to like? Well, it's interesting. The, the US reporting season has been very good. And mm. the, unsurprisingly, Wall Street's gone to a, an all-time high. Yeah. You know, led by you know, major companies like Microsoft, Facebook, all the usual mm. suspects. Apple's gone to an all-time high. So the funny thing, Pete, is you don't have to go you know, way outside some of the most recognised American stocks or yeah. recognised global stocks. Mm. I mean, Microsoft had 20% revenue growth, stocks going well. The one I think look cheap, looks cheap right now is somewhat controversial because it's not everyone's cup of tea, is actually Facebook. Mm. You know, $500 billion company, grown its revenue 30% year on year, mm. looks cheap at about 20 times earnings. Yeah. Yes, there's a chance of some regulatory, you know, oversight of mm. Facebook and free speech and all this and sort of stuff. And Zuckerberg doesn't always make this Zuckerberg the right is not the most politically no. correct, but he, he, at least he's got an opinion. No. <laughs> but they are taking... Doesn't help shareholders. No, no, but the shares have done well. Yeah. They're up again like 30 or 40% this year. Yeah. But he's taking advertising share from every, every other medium. Yeah. 1.6 billion daily users of Facebook and Instagram or, or um, WhatsApp, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So it is the way the world communicates now, the, the generation younger than us. Yeah. And I think that stock actually looks cheap and probably come a bit of a re-rating. Okay. Um, is there a local stock you've got your eye on? No, Australia, I'm, you know, I'm just same sort of things. I'm just waiting for my moment in Australia. I still think consensus earnings growth is a little bit too 
too high at the moment. I mean, and I think I mentioned in the report. I'm looking at Goodman Group. I think Woodside's getting interesting down near 30. Yeah. I think you know BHP pulled back a bit further. I'd be interested, but yeah, I think Australia's in a just a slightly funny space at the moment. I think there's better opportunities outside Australia. Yep. And that reporting season in America pretty much confirmed me that if I can own Microsoft growing it's a, bit, a trillion dollar company growing at 20%, mm. and even things like Apple, well, it, its revenue was flat, but the shares are starting to perform well ahead of the new iPhone cycle and services picking up. So I think it's time to keep it reasonably simple. We don't need a new idea a day, yeah. but we also need to make sure we don't catch any falling knives or stocks that are actually okay. value traps. So I haven't got, I haven't got much new, actually. Okay, my, my last thing, I was surprised and of course, Donald Trump can always surprise you. But I was surprised when he said that he thinks this deal will cover 60% of what he wants in a trade deal. That number's a lot higher than I expected. I thought the phase one would be a 30% 50 if it was lucky, but I thought... Personally, I, personally I think it's just all garbage. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. We'll but never but see any but detail. But the number it, uh, has yeah. been used yeah. to excite yeah. the market. Correct, but I mean, the, the more pressure... More that, as you, as, as you, you and I have discussed, the more Trump is under pressure, the more he wants the stock market up. The number, yeah. way get, the number one way to get the stock market up is talking, what, the talking back the trade deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's got that worked out yeah. and he's done that well. But in the interim, he's bluffed the Federal Reserve into cutting interest rates twice, mm. and which now looks somewhat premature. Mm. So he's got lower interest rates, lower mortgage rates in America, now full employment and now record high share market. So they'll do some deal with China, mm. whatever it means. But I would say that's pretty close to priced into markets. I mean, the market's pretty well aware of where we're at on that. Remember in August, you know, the, I think the S&P 500 is now 8% above where it was in August. Yeah. So it's gone from you know, worrying about recession and trade deals to not worrying about it. Yeah. So, but I would still think that the actual inking of a deal, and they wave mm. it a bit like <coughs> um, Neville Chamberlain waved the piece of paper, peace in our time. I don't. I think the market still will like a, yeah, I, a, a, a signed deal. Again, as you and I have discussed, this year's going to end well. It's probably going to end on its highs. We've mm. said that for months now. Yep. People are underinvested. People are nervous. Yep. Markets are doing well. There'll be a bit of fund manager FOMO, as we call it, wanting to look more invested mm. for year end. And I, <coughs> I stand by our view that the markets will finish well. Yeah. And it may just be that that is the final little bit of the catalyst is some little trade deal. Okay, great stuff. That's Charlie Aiken from Aiken Investment Management.